We look around, but we do not see. We hear all these sounds, but fail to listen. We talk the talk so eloquently, but when the time comes to walk the walk, we just turn a blind eye. We have become an audience like those who sit around soccer fields with nice comfy seats and plenty of food and drinks to last for the game. We have become an audience who just sits on the sidelines. We're the audience to the cries of those who cry for justice, wondering if justice was ever just because now, now it's just them and their Lord. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Rogue Muslim. This week we are continuing with the um, topic of Muslim women in tech and we have part two of the interview with Arfa. In this one we talk about um, how we can encourage more women to um, come into tech and as well as staying in tech how tech can pave the way for equity or equality and how being a woman is integral to the tech field, um, how men can be allies to women in the tech industry and um, why it's great to be a woman in tech even. So definitely have a listen and let us know what your thoughts are on the conversation that we've had as well as how we can further the conversation. And before we get on to the interview, I just want to um, put out there a um, new series that's coming out on the pod this Ramadan. I've put it out on my social media, but I'm just going to reiterate it here. I'm looking to do a series where we follow um, a couple of folks around the world as they journey on with the month of Ramadan and looking to do three check-ins. So one at the beginning of Ramadan and then in the middle of Ramadan and after Ramadan has finished. Um, And, you know, just telling us a bit about what Ramadan is like in their country, um, how they feel about it, any obstacles that they face during this month, any um, goals that they have, you know, what they like about this month, as well as how we can um, use what we've learned to, to follow up with the next, with the following year or with the next year coming. Can you tell that I have a flu coming on and cannot think, um, or speak? Um, so yeah, basically doing three check-ins. So I'm looking for anyone around the world. If you're interested in doing this, I am asking for a three to five minute audio clips to be sent into me. Um, and if you are, then definitely uh, slide into my DMs. You can message me via Twitter or Instagram or um, my email. And Twitter and Instagram is just at the Rogue Muslim, and my email is at uh, is the Rogue Muslim at gmail dot com. And if you're interested and uh, want to be a part of it, please message me. I'd love that. And anywhere from around the world. I'm looking for as much representation as possible, so that would be good. And so without further ado, here is the interview with Arafa on Muslim Women in Tech Part 2. I hope you enjoy. Mm, Yeah. And do you have any mentors or any folks that you want to thank today? 
Um, yeah, definitely. So I think like this, yeah. the two that that definitely comes to mind. So like one of the people who pretty much changed my life was Eugenie, um, the lady who I mentioned to set up that charity. Mm-hmm. Like if, if it wasn't for her believing me and channeling me, I wouldn't mm-hmm. wouldn't be where I am today. Like you know, having done that tech startup, amplified me to do all these other things. To actually currently, you know, last year I met this amazing lady called Naira, and she works in like. Islamic finance and all sorts of stuff like she comes mm-hmm. from a completely different background world to me but like you know we I, I, I sat on a panel that she was chairing and you know a friend had introduced me to her and introduced got me to speak on this panel and she kind of like bit, did a bit of like google research on me watched a couple of videos and just mm-hmm. like started to just become my cheerleader and it was a really mm-hmm. weird scenario right like somebody <laughs> watches you on the internet yeah and just like starts to like help you and become like a like she calls herself the mother hand and you know I was speaking to her recently and I was just like oh you know like a year ago like you know I spoke on the panel and I've had you in a year for my life like how weird like mm-hmm. you know and she, you know she's just incredible like she it's not even just me she champions so many other like like women Muslim women and does mm-hmm. what she can and and you know I'm grateful and and but you know looking back it was and I asked her I asked her I go you know what made you want to help me and she goes you know I watched that video with you Nafisa and Zora from Islamic Makers mm-hmm. and I was just like so drawn to you mm. and she goes it's that that's the that's your magic really that's the thing that like like I was so drawn to that I was like I don't know who you are mm-hmm. but I'm gonna help you, you yeah And I think it's those little examples or like that one that, that make me more confident in who I am mm. and make me more stubborn in staying true to who I am <laughs> because I'm like that, that, those, that, those things have brought magical people into my life. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank yeah. you. Like, thank you to Janie and Naira. Like, you know, they're both different parts of my life. Like, but really, and, you know, they're much older and they've just really helped show. And then obviously, mm-hmm. generally, like, my peers, all my friends, like, they're my peers and they're, like, mm-hmm. you know, my supporters and my day oneers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. And what, uh, are you crushing on any Muslim women or women in tech right now that you're, like, you're the, that you're their cheerleader for right now, I guess, or that you're just, like, wow, she's doing amazing stuff or she's a role model or... Oh God, I don't know where to start. Yeah. I did a whole fellowship on like Muslim women in tech. Right. Like, who do I even like cheerlead? Not the easiest question. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it, like oh, there's just so many. Like, mm. like I think for me, like I'm gonna go into a few examples if you don't okay. mind. Yeah. Um, it's just because they're just they're just incredible. Like, so when I was in America, I met this amazing lady called Mai, and she was actually from Gaza. Oh wow. And. Um, she was um, she she used to be part of Gaza Sky Geeks, and then she did the uh, so Gaza Sky Geeks is a tech a tech accelerator in Gaza, okay. and she went to America and did this tech women program where they take women from developing countries and put them on like a six week, you know, placements with different Silicon Valley companies. Okay. A year later, she came back to America because she got given her master's, and she's just done so much um, on a, on a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And you know, she's just now doing the stuff on entrepreneurship. When she was in Gaza, she did a lot of stuff around getting more women into tech. 
and just she's just incredible and, mm. and but what I really really like and and you know this kind of ties in nicely to something I said before was um you know her husband quit his job in Gaza to come with her and her son to support that support in America Amazing. and it just puts that turn on that whole like typical thing that we often think right, right. this the the but her husband and I remember asking and she said you know right now my husband is supporting my dreams but I know a year or two from now uh-huh. I'm gonna need to step back and support his mm. and it was just so nice to see and there was a lot of like and, and I think this this is the thing about like changing my mindset towards marriage and you know family yeah. structures and did that yeah. I was able to meet these Muslim women that had very supportive husbands in place yeah, yeah. and you know I'm talking like and that that those things for me were really key and yeah. you know in terms of another crush you know she's my girl but like Nafisa Bakar who runs Amalia.com mm-hmm. um you know it's a Muslim women platform they've also just released a podcast called Amalia Voices so I do recommend checking that out yeah, yeah. but you know she started this platform up uh two two or three years ago so okay. so they were like we, we, we actually did a panel with them at Muslimic Makers when we first started too and that's actually how we became friends and this is what I mean like it like we celebrated the Muslimic Makers um, birthday a few months ago and it was two years and it just made me and I remember being there and just thinking to myself yo I made some really amazing friends just through this community yeah. through people coming to my events and then we just become like best of buddies and you know yeah, yeah. and just like it's weird, right? I think adulting and friendships, you know, when you're adult, an adult, are hard. Yeah. They're hard to come by. Oh my God, hell and yes. So, you know, so, so those things for me are just like so special. And just, yeah, and then just, they're just, uh, I don't know, there's just so many women, like so many women, so many stories. Oh, and like, yeah. especially in Pakistan, mm-hmm. you know, there was two amazing girls called Shenza and Rahab. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just out of the university graduates. Um, they're working on a tech platform in Pakistan, uh, a game that's called Bolo Tech, which basically helps children um, with speech difficulties. Okay. And because there's not that many speech therapists in Pakistan, so they've actually found a tech solution to help challenge that issue. And, you wow. know, they're two strong women. And it's in Pakistan, again, like, yeah. you know, where you wouldn't think mm-hmm. that there would be women entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. tech entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I saw that. Yeah. And also showing that age doesn't have to be a barrier. If you have an idea. Oh, my God. Age, yeah. <laughs> Talking of age, like, exactly. Like, they were out of university, but on the other end of the spectrum, when I was in America, mm-hmm. I went to go visit this girl called Zaina. And Z- Zaina is an... And I mean girl, because she is a girl, like she's like 16 just or 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And she had set up an all-female STEM robotics club. Yeah. And just and they went on to win like one of the championships as the underdogs, right? Oh so she, she set it up in her local masjid, her local mosque community. And she's, what, 16, 17 years old? <laughs> you know when you're just like, wow, mashallah. Yeah. Like just really yeah. smart, very incredible, yeah. you know really supportive parents like mm-hmm. she has a supportive structure and pray you know I, I now have a mom on my facebook too mm-hmm. and her mom's always like championing me it's really sweet yeah. it's just so nice because it's like you know like uh, sometimes her mom would comment on my things and be like oh i'm so glad that you know my daughter has a role model like you and i'm like oh my god auntie like yeah. your daughter's my role model yeah. <laughs> that is so sweet and I, do, I just love that you were so able to great. list so many people as opposed to centering only your experiences, but you're showing that your experiences are there because of all these women 
in your life yeah. and that um that's really lovely to hear especially in a world that tries to tear women apart I think um, yeah no definitely like it, it's it's been real special yeah. like the, the whole trip honestly was just special for me because I'd never moved away from university mm. never really been away from home for a significant amount of time mm-hmm. so for me as a single Muslim woman mm-hmm. to go do this it was just like barrier like you know breaking yeah. barriers and yeah. alhamdulillah I was blessed in the sense mm-hmm. that actually I thought my parents would freak out but in the end it turned out <laughs> I said mashallah so I'm yeah. like what is this plot twist in my life right isn't it yeah <laughs> they could so, surprise you man like the words are powerful I'm telling you like <laughs> you know like I remember asking God for this and it's yeah. a surreal you know it's coming up to a year now since I oh, since wow. I went to Mar- I went to America in July literally day after Eve wow. I like made this mistake because there, there was a slight chance that I would be flying on Eve day Oof. thankfully it yeah. fell on the Sunday yeah. <laughs> so you can answer those <laughs> prayers for you <laughs> yeah I know so way. oh my god I'm so uh, happy you got that experience it's just yeah, so, so no, cool. it changed me, inshallah, hopefully, yeah, no, to become a better person. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. And so what is the best part about being a woman in the tech industry or something that has surprised you about being a Muslim and a woman in tech? Do you know what? People do listen. Um, mm. I think, um, you know, as I've grown Islamic makers and stuff, I've, you know, I've been very fortunate and even my co-founder, he's been fortunate to be invited to be speakers. Um, you know, I, I recently got asked to speak on a panel for Google Women Tech Makers. So like Google, I was speaking on a panel for Google basically mm-hmm. on Islamic makers and the Muslim community and my experiences. So I think people are willing to listen. Mm. Um and I think that's quite nice in the sense that we created our own space, but now people are like, oh, like, you're an expert on this. How can we, like, how can we take your knowledge and, you know, help create inclusive workplaces, etc." Right. So I think that's been quite nice because, you know, it just makes you realize that hard grind and that hard work and, you know, putting on events and doing all the organization between your lunch times and evenings and nights and stuff yeah. it's worth it yeah because now we're kind of penetrating you know we're like we're making and I think a key part of Islamic makers definitely was about like getting people to just learn to be unapologetically Muslim to mm. demand that they need their prayer space to mm-hmm. ask for soft drinks you right. know on a right. Friday or whatever right. it is right and just giving people that that confidence right. to just be Muslim yeah yeah and and is that something that you've had to work on personally as well, or do you kind of have an upbringing that um, allowed you to um, maybe have like a framework of understanding of how to be unapologetically Muslim and woman? No, I mean not really. I mean my own journey, like you know, as a child, you know, I, I it was a typical thing of going to madrasa after school, etc doing it for the sake of doing it um and then you know you kind of go into your teenage years and you're like lose interest or whatever mm. and then you know uh, I think like losing people and all that side of things does yeah. obviously trigger a lot in you yeah and then you know so then I you know then I started to establish salah etc but yeah. then I remember there was a point when um I got asked by a colleague a bit about my Islamic history mm-hmm. and it made me realize I didn't know much right mm-hmm. So that led to more of a journey. So I started to listen to Yasakadi's Sira. So mm. I listened to the whole Sira of the Prophet, mm-hmm. which just started to make me fall in love mm. with my religion, mm. which is a very different place to be, right? Yeah, and I think the more I became like more inclined to it, the more, and you know, I'm not 
I'm not the, not the most perfect Muslim. I, I do the basics. I, I might read my salah, but it's not to say I, I hardly concentrate in it. There's so many things I've got to work on. Yeah. But, you know, there's, the, there's those things that I, I do. And I think, like, so I remember starting my first job and um, my the, in the coding boot camp. And we were in a small office at the time. And I took my janamas, yeah, yeah. on my first day. Yeah. And everyone had just gone out for lunch. It was a small staff room. And I just busted it out and prayed. And <laughs> yeah. someone walked in on me at that time, yeah. Oh. And then he didn't know what to do. Oh, my God. It was just like, well, because he's just like, okay, like, okay. But then it was brought up in the staff meeting in, in yeah. a nice way. Oh, you know, I noticed you were praying. Should we think about creating a space for you? And I said to them, I go, and I felt really bad. And maybe this is where I should have demanded more. But mm-hmm. we had one meeting room that was used all the time because there used to be student interviews there. So mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 it's fine. I just need my court. Like, like when you guys go for lunch, I can pray here, etc. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to a bigger office and maybe there I should have demanded it. But again, I didn't because mm-hmm. I was like, we were on the mezzanine and I found a little corner that worked for me and I yeah, pray. Yeah. But what we realized is as we were expanding, we were getting Muslim students and then the Muslim students would always come to me and be like, hey, Arafa, yeah. like I need to pray. Where can I pray? And I'll mm. be like, well, I pray over there. And then they'll, they'll be like, oh, you pray quite publicly. Obviously, it's just near the staff, but, like, for me, like, it was never a thing. And then some students would be cool with it, but other students would still be a bit, like, then they'll be like, no, it's fine. Like, but so then, and I I guess this is about leaving legacy, even though I've left the company, Mm -hmm. when they then got another floor, Mm -hmm. they then were very open. Then they were like, right, we'll create a meditation slash prayer corner. Mm -hmm. Because they realized, actually, their their student body was diverse. And even things like introducing, like, you know, making sure there was non-alcoholic drinks on Fridays, you know, because all of the students got their beers and then all the Muslim students were just like twilling their thumbs and even right. by Muslim students I mean one or two every like couple of months right <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. but like those little things like yeah. just really matter mm-hmm. and I think this is where like you know you 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 are always naturally drawn to your own mm-hmm. so naturally I ended up becoming better friends with the Muslim students because right. we have things to bond over right you know, so that's where, like, the longer-term, like, friendships, etc. were also established because it was always like, oh, yeah, like, you're like me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. No, so, exactly. like, I think that stuff, like, so, like, like I said, um, you know, so I, it, it's taken me a while, like, like yeah. I said, to kind of get there. And even now, like, sometimes when I go to places, um, I, I, this is, like, a really funny story, but, like, mm. I, I went to go give a talk at this talk somewhere, and um, the guy who was hosting me, it was, like, to, like, internal staff about my journey, and yeah. uh, the guy who was hosting me was, like, a much older Muslim guy, probably, like, 30, 40, maybe in his 40s, mm-hmm. and I asked him, I was like, oh, I need to go to the prayer room, and he was a bit like, oh, okay, um, he was like, okay, cool, so he took me to the prayer room, like, you know, I started to pray, and he was like, oh, yeah, he goes, oh, yeah, hardly pray or whatever. Yeah. But then what was really sweet, he ended up praying, and then oh. afterwards he goes, yeah, since you were praying, I decided that I should probably pray too. Yeah. And it was the most sweetest thing. It just made, And that's what I mean about being unapologetically Muslim, because right. for him it was a bit like, I'm not Hijabi, right? So mm-hmm. for me as a non-Hijabi person to come and be like, oh, actually, it's Maghrib time, I need mm-hmm. to pray, mm-hmm. made him be like, oh, like, you know, and it right. creates that kind of like, like it's it's. I guess it's that dawa, mm-hmm. but like by by just being myself, right, right. That which that is more Muslims effective. That, yeah. yeah. So it's that whole thing with Muslims who are, who may be struggling themselves mm-hmm. by seeing me as somebody who might not, who's not maybe not visibly Muslim. Yeah. 
still trying really hard Mm -hmm. to get her basics right kind of sometimes challenges them yeah for sure so so yeah like alhamdulillah you know like Mm. I try like I try I just like I say I just try to do me and what I need to do and if it inspires people in the process then then you know that's just qadr of Allah yeah exactly yeah exactly now this is something I'm interested in if you could be a man in the tech industry for one day what would you do Oh God! Um, what did I do? I think if I was to be like a man, I would love to be like Elon Musk. Yeah, like amen. I think yeah. it'd be so interesting to yeah. be him and to see what goes on his in his mind. Yeah, like I, I like I I don't think it would just have to be a man. I think I would have to be a particular man yeah. because I think if I was a man, it wouldn't really make much difference. Fair. Like it's not like yeah. If I was I had to choose to be a particular man, yeah. then I would just I would be so yeah I would Rose, just like yeah. be Elon Musk and I'll be like right we're gonna fly to Mars today <laughs> we're gonna take it like, I don't know I'll just do some weird stuff like that <laughs> just casual trips to Mars <laughs> just yeah you know <laughs> as you do that's awesome as you do yeah that's awesome and um, so. <laughs> So speaking of men, um, what should men do and what should they not do? Um, or, okay, wait, what should they do to support the growth of women in tech? And what should they stop doing um, to hinder the growth of women in tech? So I think in terms of um, growth of women in tech, so I think one of the easiest ways to do is if you're a man and you're invited to speak on a panel or a conference is actually being an ally, right? Mm. Seeing and questioning if there are enough women speakers. Mm. And if there isn't, then passing the mic. Okay. Um, you know, if if you're like, if you're somebody as a man who might get a lot of speaking requests, but you're like, actually, do you know what? My female colleague might be better at this. Mm. Passing that mic and giving her the platform is a very small and subtle way mm-hmm. of trying to create that space. Right. And also, I... Um, I think that's definitely something that that can be kind of um, achieved, and just just creating that space and listening, mm-hmm. you know, um, just listening. But I think allyship is shouldn't be underrated. Right. Like if we can, if you can be an ally, you know, and you can kind of create that because sometimes you know, if for example, if my voice isn't necessarily being heard in a meeting, but mm-hmm. my male colleague picks that up and amplifies it. Yes. but still gives me credit for it, right. then that's just being ally, right? Like, right. it's just being like, hey, by the way, quick, like, listen to Arfa. Like, yeah. just those little things yeah. that often get overlooked. Yeah. I think that stuff can um, can definitely help. Yeah. And have you had colleagues that have um, led by that example for you or for other people? Yeah, I think, um, like, in my previous job, you know, the whole gender discount presentation, mm-hmm. that actually was a male guy who came up with it. Okay. He was a bit, he was the one who was a bit like, actually, you know what, I'm going to go away and create this. And yeah. then somebody had to turn around to be like, okay, you should probably deliver it with a woman. Yeah. But, like, it was him that actually, you know, created it and yeah. did all the research for it, etc. because yeah. he realised that actually, like, I need to speak out more and I need to call out things more. Mm. Because I think often, like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and then guys just say, oh, but it's banter, it's banter. Yeah, locker room right. talk to borrow Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it's not, it's not just banter, though. It's more than that. No, yeah. It affects everything and it's just our exactly. culture. It's our culture at this point. It's not banter. Mm. It impedes, it impedes yeah. our growth and everything. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so how do we, A, get more women in the field, and then how do we encourage women to stay in tech? Okay, so I think how to get in the field is to, well, one is to, to do, like I said, the whole thing about actually like, joining communities and stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, like, is it an actual skill that you need to learn? If it's a skill, then find the relevant courses. Mm-hmm. Online is a great medium, but sometimes online requires discipline, so mm-hmm. maybe you need to go do a full-time boot camp, a full-time course, whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. There's those kind of spaces and things you can go into. If you're somebody younger who's still at university, you know, be open to it. You know, maybe take a computer science module or whatever it is that you need to do. Um, Work experience, internships. Just There's always just the usual things you you can do. But I think, like I said, if you're somebody that's transitioning, then find a community and use that community to build your networks to then get access to those opportunities. And I think as a woman, to stay in the technology world... um, that's an interesting one because, you know, I think naturally in a lot of industries there's a drop-off, right? Once women go and have their children, etc., it's really hard for them to get back. Mm-hmm. And especially in the technology world, when it's moving so quickly, mm-hmm. it's even harder. And um, mm-hmm. I remember when I, in my last workplace, I worked on the paternity policy with them. Okay. And, you know, we made sure that there was a number of check-in days. You know, there was little things that we could do okay. as a business mm-hmm. to kind of maintain that kind of connection, um, you know. So, like, if you want to, I guess if you want to keep women in technology industry, then you've just got to make sure that that you, you keep that space for them and then you don't move on. Yeah. And, you know, yes, if, it, if the technology has changed or moved on, then, you know, you're sending them the right relevant information or resources for them to keep their skills up to date or whatever mm-hmm. it is that they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think often we just move so quickly and then we just discredit all that hard work that somebody put in just because they've gone off right. to have a child, which is a really important part of someone's life. Right. But then they find it really hard to transition back because they were a bit like, okay, and you know, when a woman sometimes does transition back, maybe she wants to come back part-time, maybe she only wants to work four days a week. Yeah. So yeah. we need to create that room for flexibility as well. Yeah. And you know, maybe same for men. You know, maybe a man after having a child, you know, his wife having a child, wants to take it you know wants to work one day from home maybe just to help out his wife or whatever it is we've got to we've got to create this equally yeah okay so I don't know if this question is going to make sense but I find um I guess this idea like this conversation that you've just brought up interesting in the tech field where um a lot of the times our skills and our bodies can become disposable and also Uh irrelevant in the face of technology where a machine can do it or AI can do it so is that something that Uh is a conversation that's happening like how do we ensure that people are still able to have a livelihood and an income in an age where it's transitioning more to tech does that even make sense yeah so yeah no it does and I think that is the scary um thought because you know let's take the example of self-driving cars right mm-hmm. I remember like as a child we used to watch this probably in Jetsons and now it's like a reality right <laughs> a bit weird but yeah. here we are yeah but you know maybe five ten years from now they're starting to trial it but maybe 10 to 15 years now it might be a real real real, real reality mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so that's all that uber drivers gone that's yeah. all the Pakistani cab drivers yeah. gone, you know, whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So what happens to them, yeah. okay? What happens to these people who are blow-squilled? Mm-hmm. How do they 
and I think this is where the whole thing around um, this is why like things like coding boot camps etc are good because I always say you know if you can't like be the robot then you learn to maintain the robot mm-hmm. so yeah. you need to build those skills to be the person who then controls the robot who maintains the robot because there still has to be somebody behind maintaining it the maintenance or whatever etc yeah so that where that space of jobs is created mm. but obviously that will require a level of skills and a level of level up in and I think that's why there's an argument being done right now around universal base income and how actually eventually everyone should just have a base income regardless of if you work or you don't work right. because technology is getting rid of jobs yeah. and in the long run it should actually be freeing us up to you know embrace culture and art but instead, because of the way capitalism and the economy works, mm-hmm. instead people are actually really losing out. Yeah. Rather than it being what it should actually be, is that actually eventually we just all have more time. Yeah. To just be amazing. Yeah. But that's not the case. Yeah. To actually live to. Yeah. Instead of work, work, uh, work to live instead of live to work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So speaking of real world problems, what is something that you personally are looking to solve with tech or that you have done in the past or or that you're intrigued with at least um I think for me like my stuff is like I think like I said I'm not like a hard tech person Mm. so I'm not here to like solve like a world problem I think for me it's just about making sure that people feel belonged Mm. and included Mm -hmm. and are playing a part in shape the future technologies and mm-hmm. that our people as in our community our ummah yeah by the way your podcast on the ummah was really interesting oh. just FYI <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, but you know our ummah and our community mm-hmm. is like is actually playing a part in shaping our future and creating mm-hmm. that future we want it to be rather than being left behind I mm-hmm. think for me that's my aspiration and that's why through Muslimic Makers which is the Muslims in tech community you can check that out on muslimicmakers.com we've mm-hmm. got videos of all our um, um past events yeah. but you know for me that that i think is quite key yeah and and you and you see tech as being able to unite the ummah um or... oh that's such a deep question yeah. <laughs> speaking of it yeah can tech unite the ummah well i mean unfortunately i think it also Device the Omar because mm. on Twitter there's always like oh, Sunni Shia beef and stuff like yeah, that, right? Yeah, and um, Haram police and swallow yeah, them, Haram yeah. police and yeah. all sorts of all sorts of stuff that goes on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily about uniting, but mm-hmm. I think it's more about belonging. If okay. that makes sense, and yes. more about like playing a part in shaping the future tools of our society so there was this really crazy talk and i can't believe i haven't mentioned this to you <laughs> so i went to this like awesome festival last week with yeah. mfair which was a muslim literature and arts festival okay there was an interesting panel i went on called shape google and it was mm-hmm. about google uh, it was about ai artificial intelligence and religion mm-hmm. and how religion will be shaped by artificial intelligence in the future now Whoa. there was this awesome academic guy but i call him uncle g because he was like a really cool uncle g <laughs> but anyways he like talked about like he he, he literally was just like imagine mm. he was just like imagine you know he goes there's this kind of artificial intelligence and it's fed the quran it's fed all the holy books it's you know the sunni the different shakes the different scholars the different opinions mm. and it just becomes this all-encompassing thing 
that just knows everything and then eventually can start giving fuck to us. And it was just like the whole audience was like, whoa, Whoa, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just becomes like like an AI Ayatollah that just kind of knows everything, right? frightening. Like, it was just insane and it just and I, I remember posing a question to him saying you know how would that change us in terms of how we practice faith yeah right yeah like do you remember what his response was a whole huh yeah do you remember what his response was well his, no, his thing was no so his response was he goes look i know i said that but that's not the future yet it's up to you guys to shape the future it's not a done uh, deal okay so that so his response was just like okay I know I freaked you out there yeah. but like it's not still, and you guys can shape it and that's why you guys need to shape it that's why you guys need to play a part oh, in it because God. otherwise and especially like um, especially in terms of like you know like obviously the internet is full of lots of Islamophobia and hate and that type of stuff right, right? like AI is built on intelligence that it's fed and that it can found so oh. if you know the internet is a very Islamophobic place yeah. you know yeah then it's going to sprout out things like that. It's like when, yeah. um, I can't remember what, but there was a Twitter bot created and it became basically Zion, you know, it became like uh, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic mm. because it just trolled Twitter and eventually it was just splurting out racist nonsense because Twitter is majority quite racist. Right. Even though not in the spaces that you and I hang out in, yeah. we think Twitter's amazing. Yeah. But actually... So it, it was able to take all these tweets and actually it just became this, like, racist Twitter bot. Oh, that because that's Because so... that's what it found. Oh. And it's insane. Like, and stuff like this, honestly, like, I just find so fascinating. Exactly. Like, I, it, I think it'll be really interesting to see how this... And I think, yeah. back to your original question. So, yeah, I think that's why we, as an ummah, have responsibility, yeah. I guess, to, in a sense, protect our faith in a way. Yeah, you know? yeah. And especially because you don't know who would be creating that AI. And yes. so what kind of, yeah. like, what are they trying to impose on us and, like, keep us boxed in a framework that they've already created for us? It's just, that is that is actually frightening. Oh, my God. It is pretty frightening, right? It's frightening, yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Ooh. Okay, wow. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's something to keep me up tonight. Um... <laughs> um so what project are you working on right now that you're really excited about oh okay so um I think right now um I what I'm really excited about is like so with my fellowship I kind of was releasing my videos one by one etc and so people Mm -hmm. following me on social media have kind of seen them I still have stuff to release Mm -hmm. but what I'm really excited about is now that my website is done called inclusivetechworld.com I've like it's now a curation of everything that I have in one place. Awesome. Everything from the role models and the interviews I did to different case studies. Um, you know, one amazing example was, um, and this is a Qadr Vala, mm-hmm. I really want to mention this. So, like, um, I I went to this mosque in D.C. called Dini Art Center. Okay. You know, just as a Muslim, I want to visit a beautiful mosque. Yeah. And I peeked in and there was kids on a computer and I asked the girl next to me, oh, what are they doing? And she goes, oh, they're learning HTML, CSS in a masjid. I'm doing a whole fellowship on Muslims and technology. And there I was in a mosque (gasps) out of nowhere by chance. Like only God put me there, right? Yeah. And so it's thing, and I remember walking away from that whole thing. And then, you know, I I spoke to the organizer and he told me to come back the next day. So, and it was 5th of July or 4th of July that day. And I kind of had plans, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to go spend my morning at the mosque and then I'll go like 
you know see what fourth of july is like and then but it's the best morning i had like i had so much fun with the mosque kids and you know they were learning coding and html css and seeing that delight on their faces but for me what was amazing was that html css was in a mosque and that little idea it's still sitting on me i haven't got around to working on it yet Mm. but with islamic makers we want to do more grassroots stuff because Mm. it's cool we've done events for two years yeah but we feel like there's more we can do on a grassroots level yeah within the within our mosque so that's something potentially on our roadmap when we get our acts together and we you know after ramadan's out the way (laughs) and stuff um so that's maybe something, but yeah, but obviously with inclusivetechworld.com, yeah. um, you know, I now want to promote all the content I've done, okay. like, because for me, like, I've been in a, such a make, 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 make mode, like, mm-hmm. I've just been editing my videos, mm-hmm. posting it, editing my videos, posting it, I'll yeah. maybe do one tweet, one Facebook, that's it, yeah. not actively reaching out to blogs and platforms, right. and you know, that's why even with you, I was just like, there's a thing I'm working on, like, yeah. once it's done, like, yeah. because... For me, like, it's great. I've created this content. Now I just want people to see these stories. Right. So, like, I'm now in, like, a promotional... I'm going to be entering this promotional mode where I really want to actually actively share these stories and videos. And that's why, like, people, please go check it out. Because I I always say, even though, like, I've worked so hard on this and there's been so much content I've edited. And, yes, I don't have, like, that many views. I get more views, funny enough, on my Facebook page compared to YouTube. But I always say, do you know if one person Mm -hmm. gets inspired from seeing my content, then I've done my job. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? And if that person, and I always say this thing, I might not change the world, but someone I might inspire might go on to. to So I always do, I always see things as micro actions. Yes. So That's anything incredible. I've ever done, I've seen it as a micro action. So yeah, so I guess with inclusivetechworld.com, mm-hmm. I just wanna, yeah, I just wanna promote that and yeah. get, get, you know, I wanna write blogs, I wanna write articles, yeah. I just wanna do a bit more thought leadership on that side of things, yeah, um, while working away on on whatever's next. Yeah, that is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Yeah, everyone, check it out and. Um, and if anyone's in the tech industry or working on any projects, let us know how we can support you and um, what you're doing. I'd I'd love to hear about you know other Muslim and other Muslim women who are in tech and and also check out it's Muslimic makers, right? So can you yep. tell us a bit about like it's a hub for Muslims in England or in like all of the world or what is. Well, um, I, I'd say initially it is very English focused. We do have a Slack community, so we do have some people from the world that do use that, that do use that community to like just tap into. Okay. But ultimately, we're just we do events in London um, about Muslim role models, um, aspirations, panel discussions, in conversation, fireside chats, and again, we we do have a rec- record our videos because we do know there's people all over the world that can get inspired by this content. Right. Um, so. Um, and like I said, it was just something that me and my friend um, started up two years ago. He promo- he approached me, funny enough, through Twitter saying, hey, I've got this yeah. idea. I was like, oh, that's really funny. I had the same idea a year ago, but I thought it'd be two people in a coffee shop. Yeah. So, um, you know, we at that time where I was working, I had a venue space already. Um, I knew of a Muslim guy doing a startup. I'm like, cool, I have a speaker. I have yeah. a venue. Let's just trial an event 50 people alhamdulillah turned up to our first event we got a lot of positive feedback so we just committed ourselves to just constantly doing events every six weeks so yeah it was it was quite a milestone to reach two years because I think like 
I've never been consistent in my life. I'm like, I pick up projects, I drop them. I pick up projects, I drop them, right? Yeah. So I think it was quite great. I feel like I'm Maybe talking to a mirror to right now. <laughs> yeah. exactly. You know, it's, it's hard. It it's really hard, hard to be consistent. And the consistency yeah. is so underrated. Yeah. I think so. Do you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just, I'm also not a type A person. So, like, it's, I yeah. don't know if that also makes it quite challenging. And yeah. I just have all these thoughts. I'm like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And then I don't know how to focus yeah. in. That's why for me, this year is all about focus. Mm. Like, for me, it's like, how is everything that I do? Like, how can I make it align, right? right. So even with the job that I took and just all the things I'm doing, like, I'm just trying to stay focused because I'm, I, you know, I'm very like, oh, there's something else. Oh, there's something else, you know? Yeah. And it's so easy to get caught in the headlights that actually it just lowers your impact. Yeah. And actually by focusing a bit more, I just feel like I'll be able to inshallah, achieve more and like, okay. you know, not, not downplaying my achievements, but like, mm-hmm. you know, there's just sometimes you are like, so even, with this fellowship, sometimes I'm like, oh, Arfa, why were you so extra? All you had to do was write a PDF <laughs> report. No, you had to make a song and dance and do all these videos and do all this editing. And I just, like, I just created so much extra work, work for myself yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Do you know? I do the same like, thing. I take the longest uh, route possible to get somewhere. Exactly. But do you know what? That was me. Yeah. That was my way. And yeah. felt it, it, if it works for you it was the right media for what I was doing yeah. but you know sometimes I, I remember in the midst of a lot of the editing I, I, there were just times that I, you know like in the beginning I was enjoying it and then I'm just like why yeah. but then it's just like nope you're going to finish this you've started it you're going to finish yeah. it gonna finish yeah there's one and thing now, now I've got this thing and maybe nobody's going to visit my website but at least <laughs> one day visit. if I have grandkids inshallah they can look inshallah. back and be like yo I had a cool grandma yeah. you know <laughs> And I'm always reminded of like Emma Watson's um when she gave that speech at the UN and she says, If not me, who and if not now, when? It's just like just do it. Sometimes it's like that Shia LaBeouf video where he just screams at you to just do it. Sometimes I just watch that. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, just do you and it's as simple as that really. That's the formula to success, I think. Yeah, and support people around you because that shows them that it's important, it's relevant, it's necessary. And you can keep going and any feedback that you can offer in a constructive manner, not in like a policing, um, you're doing haram, yeah. you're going to hell manner, <laughs> just in a constructive manner. Yeah. Let, let people know and share your experiences because you never know what kind of uh, things can come out. So we're almost done, but I just wanted to ask you, well, first, one quick question about your fellowship. You've definitely touched mm-hmm. upon it throughout, but what is... What kind of things have you learned that you've been able to bring back back with you that you want to start implementing based on um, experiences around the world? Oh man, that's such a hard question. Love. There's just so much. Yeah. Um, do you know what? For me, I think it was just the little. It was the little things, like you know, like I mentioned the mosque. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that was just a really cool example of of a cool way of doing something right in a yeah. in a in a different manner. Yeah. And then you know there was like organization there was a lot of mentoring stuff that I kind of saw you know I saw I went to like a summer summer camps which were like young people of color and how mm. they were doing it but also I think for me I think now especially in my current job mm-hmm. there was um you know I got to visit like Facebook Twitter and stuff and I got to see a bit more around how they create those inclusive workplaces I remember walking around Facebook and seeing you know signs on the car park like expected mother and stuff mm. like that 
And I think those little things I saw, like now in my role as a consultant, now helping businesses with all sorts of stuff, if there's a diversity problem that I'm trying to solve or trying to create an inclusive environment, I've now got that knowledge to actually try and bring up. So I think that's quite exciting now, especially with my new job, because I feel like, you know, inshallah, all this knowledge I've gained, I can now use that Mm -hmm. to apply it to kind of help businesses become more inclusive and more diverse. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, it's just varied, um, yeah, it's just varied things. Yeah. Um, I think that will help do that. Yeah, awesome. And um, and based on your experiences, do you have any advice for Muslim women who want to go into tech and or even, like, how parents can support their girls going into tech? Yeah, so I think parents have a massive role mm. to play. Um with these things um so there's this quote that i as i mentioned my the lady from gaza mm-hmm. um she, there's this quote that she and it stuck with me because now i talk about it a lot it's, it's a, and she says basically don't fight with your culture don't fight with your family try to engage them try to find smart ways to have them agree on what you like what you love mm. and the other thing is that try to find what you really love mm. and it really stuck with me because i think often you know like especially in our culture it can always feel like you're always like fighting against your parents right you're either rebelling maybe you're not being a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is but I will now say you know what the technology industry is that future-proof career right so if they're a bit like oh don't go into that industry sit down with them and be like actually dad the lawyer's job is getting automated yeah the lawyer's (laughs) going to be out of a job soon yeah you know yeah and actually just bring that, bring yeah. them along your yeah. journey and your process. And I felt that's so true. When I did my startup, I invited my parents to my pitch um, that I did. Mm. And because I, you know, my parents knew I was kind of working on this project, but I don't know exactly what it is. Okay. And I brought them along. Yeah. And you know what? I know they felt really awkward there. You know, all the people are mingling and networking. And then my yeah. parents were just sitting there in the corner. Yeah. Because obviously these aren't the environments we grew up in, right? Sure. So these these environments are challenging for my parents. Yeah. But they still came and supported. Yeah. And, you know, I'm grateful I did that because, it, you know, Asian parents especially, they, ne- they will never really say well done to your face, but they'll post about you on their Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> or tell the other aunties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think sometimes it's like it's just it's just about don't fight with them, like mm. constantly update them, constantly yeah. tell them. And it's about building that dialogue. And I swear to God, it's taken me ages. Alhamdulillah, I feel like I, I now definitely have a better relationship with my parents. Yeah. But, you know, it took a while to yeah. get there. And, yes, sometimes there's still conflict and all the usual stuff yeah. that comes with all this, you know, culture clashes. Yeah. But ultimately, I think my biggest advice to a Muslim girl or parents or whatever it is, is just engage. Yeah. Engage, be open and understand yeah. that the technology industry is probably the safer industry for them to go into. Right. There probably right. any other industry out yeah, there. Yeah, and it's new for them. It's not something they're used yeah. to. So they even the information they're getting, you don't know where they're getting it from, and it could be misconstrued. So what you say could actually have a lot more impact if you sit exactly. down and actually um, discuss it with them. Because I find often, well, in my experiences, like I had all these thoughts, I did all this research, but I didn't necessarily convey mm. it to my parents. And so when it when the time came and I let them know, like, actually, this is what I want to do instead, it was a shock mm-hmm. for them. And I had to realize, yeah. well, they know nothing about it. And so they're trying to support yeah. me, but they don't know how. So they're asking questions that are irritating to me. But for mm. them, it's natural. And I, I, I would have asked the same questions, perhaps, if I had their um, 
background and their upbringing and you know their them also being a parent and wanting the best for you whereas me being like no, exactly. no, don't worry I'll just roll with the punches because that's who I am um, best intentions yeah. always always about best intentions and yeah. don't ever I think don't ever think your parents have bad intentions mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. and always just keep that thing that is best intentions they just don't know how to articulate, articulate. or communicate yeah. it yeah exactly <laughs> and, and if you do let them know how you appreciate um, yeah. the communication to come and and, and and they're your parents and if they're you know, alhamdulillah if everything's good between you two, they'll they'll work at it and they'll try and support you in the ways that they can or the ways that they will Yeah. And and also the the more they see you respecting what you do and are confident in that, they'll get confidence mm-hmm. vicariously through you and will exactly. start to respect what you do. Like just keep them in the loop. That's something I've found Personally, because I didn't yes. do... I, I mean, I went to bloody social activism, like, yeah. completely unbalanced career. But the more I, I realised I've talked with them and I let them in on the experiences I've faced, they yeah. see that it is relevant and that it is making impact, inshallah. Yes. So, uh, for inshallah, me, that's something yeah. that, yeah, that's been there. And um, what do you think will be the biggest challenge for the generation of women or Muslim women um, after you in tech? Oh, Not to say that um, your time is done, yeah. <laughs> like, just saying. Um, so, repeat that again. Uh, so, what is um, what will be the biggest challenge for the generation of women or Muslim women that are now like starting out in tech or that will come um, after, oh. after your? Uh, I don't know how to describe, but like you've started your journey in tech. Yeah, you know, it's people starting, basically. Yeah, and what will be the biggest challenge for them or things that they can work on um, by the time they reach their 20s or something? Or Actually, that's I not fair, not 20s. Ultimately, you can I, think, I think a lot of this comes down to kind of basic skills. It's like, mm. you know, learn to voice your opinions, learn, mm. build your soft skills. You know, yes, tech skills and stuff are important, but learn how to learn you know Mm. like those things that will kind of allow you to keep ahead of the game I think I don't know like what the challenge would be I think in a weird way like do you know like I know we talked we touched upon tokenism but Mm -hmm. I've also used tokenism to my advantage Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah people coming forward you're not gonna have that yeah we're trying to change right we're trying to change that that there are that burden that tokenism so in a way you're gonna have to definitely work closer with your peers and Mm. with your sisters yeah to really rise together and don't see each other as competition i would say yeah absolutely right brilliant advice and um okay so now the last three questions are things i ask every guest um so the first thing is what is your favorite thing about islam oh what is my favorite thing about islam um so (laughs) <laughs> okay, this is gonna sound really funny, but um, so I think for me as a woman, it's it's been learning my rights. Mm. Um, and it, me and my friends always joke about this, but the whole thing of like my money is my money, yeah. your money is also my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, like um, and I, I was thinking about this briefly with a work colleague, and you know, like people in the western world don't get it right yeah. but we're just like actually we have it the best yeah isn't it? <laughs> so we like... have it the best <laughs> okay that makes me sound me. like a real gold digger i am no. i am 100 percent independent woman yeah. but you know 
I like to earn my own money. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. you know what? It's not. It, but I think for no. me, that that's the crux. The crux of it is right. Men and women have been made differently, right? Yeah. And we support each other in different ways. Yeah. So God has given us rights. Exactly. In, in that space. Yeah. So whatever rights I have have been have been given to me as a right in terms of the the family structures and bloody daddy that mm-hmm. God has decreed for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So like. And it's interesting, sometimes when I say stuff like this, it, it catches people out because I'm very, like, yo, independent woman, yeah. working, do do yeah. And then I say something like this and people get really confused. <laughs> like With me too, they're like, I thought you were a feminist. I was like, I am, but it's also part of my feminism. Yeah, it really boggles people. Right. And you're like, actually, I'm quite traditional at heart. Yeah. You just don't get to that bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just hide it. Yeah. Yeah, but, oh, God. No, and it's true, and it's like... Well, if you think about it, what is the woman going to use it for? It's going to be for the family, most likely. Exactly. Um, she ain't, I mean, I ain't into shoes or anything. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like, honestly, like, I am, like, I'm, like, the least materialistic mm. person ever. Yeah. So, like, for me, it would be always be about families and life experiences. Yeah. That's what I'd use it on. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. If you, inshallah, have kids or you want kids, you're going to yeah. put them in coding or something, like another book. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm still sticking by that is feminist eventually. <laughs> oh, man, that's brilliant. And um, if you could tell your Muslim self of yesterday one thing, what would it be? Oh, um, I think it would just be um, just start praying earlier. Like, mm. I guess a very basic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I think everybody has their own journeys and stuff, but... Yeah. Uh, but I think it would just be, you know, start learning about your religion more. Like, the world is going to become a toxic place. People are going to challenge you and question you about your religion. Yeah. Um. So, like, learn it. You yeah. know, make sure you have the ammunition that you need. Yeah. You know, make yeah. sure you know the ins and outs. And, you know, I, like I said, I still don't know much. I know a bit. Mm-hmm. But I know there's still more to learn. And mm-hmm. I, you know, inshallah, I'm hoping in this Ramadan coming, I can sort my act out. Yeah. and start learning again because right now if I'm honest with you I'm really lazy oh. so I just need to sort that out amen amen and I'm like sometimes these podcasts make me research more than, like I, I'm grateful that the podcast provides me an opportunity to yeah to try and become closer to God um every time yeah, yeah. I, I don't know I'm in a spiritual deficit this is right your now. but this is your dawah right it's your way Inshallah. of sharing stories inspiring people and and mm-hmm. just showing you know people and I think that's the thing and I think often with the the term dawah you know we often think it over terms of what happens on the streets mm-hmm. etc but actually dawah real dawah is us being who we are it's us through our good actions it's us sharing and helping each other yeah. that's the that's the stuff that really inspires people to change right yeah so you know you interviewing guests and being inspired to become do you know what i mean it's yeah, things yeah. like that yeah yeah for sure. yeah and like you said we never know like your action might inspire one people one person who might change the world or might inspire exactly. one person who might change oh my god do you know what happened? i was talking on the phone with um have you heard of halal socks yes yes okay yes. so i've i was talking on the phone with one of the co-founders and he was mm. telling me a story about a man in Nova Scotia, which is like, it's in the uh, east coast of Canada. And it's, um, uh, there's not as much diversity, let's say. Um, mm. And he was saying, he, he's this 90-year-old veteran who saw mm. uh, Prime Minister Trudeau wear a halal socks 
Um, no yeah, so he had like these Eid Mubarak socks on that was made by Halal Socks. And so he saw that and he was like, oh, let me see where this comes from. Found Halal Socks, looked into them, then started looking into Islam and was just like, oh my God, it's not what the media portrays us as. So it's like, wow. thing, yeah, it's like things that you think are seemingly simple or aren't going to change the world or are quote-unquote meaningless like you have literally no if a pair of socks can change a person's perspective i mean anything can really no like that's that's so crazy to think that could happen and like yeah in your case how do you know that one of your listeners haven't converted to islam they might have oh my god please reach out if you have like i didn't yeah but you you don't but that would be amazing yeah right like yeah like, you don't know what action that inspires someone to research or blood da 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 And yeah. that's why, like, you know, and I think that also is the, the lovely, amazing thing about our religion. Mm-hmm. 100%. Sorry, I just needed water. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so finally, at the end of the podcast, I invite folks to pray for people, causes, etc. So is there anyone or multiple people, causes that we can put our head, heart, and hands together because it's not just praying and uh, making dua, it's also putting our hands and putting action to the words and to the dua that we make. Um, so is there any, you know, people causing Yeah, actions? I mean, do you know what? I, I, I think what, one that I would start off with is mm-hmm. that, you know, inshallah we all have a most productive Ramadan mm-hmm. and that we get to see an next Ramadan, right? Okay. Like... Ramadan is now here and, and you know we, we were able to make good use of it mm-hmm. obviously there's so many brothers and sisters suffering all around the world mm-hmm. and you know just praying for their suburb um you know and hoping for the best for them yeah. and then obviously I think there's the usual stuff you know we you know our families and friends have healthy lives our lost loved ones enter Jannah yeah. um I think for me like just the just those basics like like, for me, like, it's just, like... And I, I think this, the thing I love about dua, mm-hmm. this especially, is sometimes people don't know you're making dua for them, yeah. right? Yeah. Sometimes, like, you'll be, you be making dua about someone's friend, someone, someone, right? Yeah. And that yeah. someone, someone has no idea yeah. that there's yeah. this person making dua for them. That that is so that's cool. another thing, by the way, that I just find absolutely, like, a favourite thing and so beautiful about Islam. Yeah. Is making dua and, like, somebody not knowing that you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's so true. Oh, my God. And also, um, if I could add one, is also for your uncle that had passed away. Um, yeah, inshallah, yeah, inshallah. He's yeah. in a better place. Um, and yeah. finally, how can folks support you? And, um, yeah, like with the new website and in any other ways? Yeah, sure. So, uh, inclusivetechworld.com. Mm-hmm. Um, check out the content on there. Feel free to share any of the videos and YouTube stuff I have. Um, if you run any platforms, blog stuff, want me to write some guest pieces, then just hit me up. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm quite active on Twitter. Mm. I'm arf, A-R-F underscore two, two. Same username on Instagram. On Instagram, I post my stories and stuff. Mm. Um, Islamic Makers is a Muslim tech community. We run on sponsorship. Um, so, you know, if you have... If you're a London business and just fancy sponsoring our halal pizza, get in touch. <laughs> just little things, man. Like, yeah. honestly, like, these, these things just, like, it keeps us ticking over. Yeah. Uh, but I think mainly for me, it's just champion. Like, if like if you want to support me, just champion each other. Yeah. And, like, awesome. let's just get our stories out there. And that's why, you know, 
big massive credits to you for setting up this podcast and interviewing incredible people um and sharing their stories and i'm honored to be part of it thank you so much i really appreciate that and it's an absolute honor and privilege to have you because i've learned a lot um and inshallah this inspires um any girls any women out there any age any intersection of life that you're in please you can make a difference and um let's start supporting each other and if there's any way that this podcast can support you again let me know and um and we'd be happy to do anything we can so and thank you thank you so so much for coming on um yeah like I said I've learned a lot I'm inspired I'm ready to see how I can enter the tech world (laughs) other than podcasting (laughs) and audio but social activism social activism yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot I'm sure you can do. Yeah, just got to Thank merge you. that. Okay. Yeah, just got to merge that. All right, brilliant. So everyone else, I hope you have a um, incredible week ahead and um, engage with the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which is at the Rogue Muslim. We've got also a Facebook page with the same handle. Um, and if you have any questions or you know somebody that um, you'd like to. He- uh, come on the podcast or you yourself have something to share just drop me either slide into my dms or drop me an email at uh, theroguemuslim at gmail.com and with that um i hope everyone has a good week and early ramadan mubarak to you all love this love this